All right, we're going to do this a little differently. So I was just complaining to Scott and our guest, Joel, who I haven't even introduced yet, Lalgi. Is that how I pronounce it? Lalgi. Lalgi. Close enough. Uh, that apparently I was late to this podcast recording because there's an event in LA that I'm not going to promote, but supposedly I'm speaking at it, even though I'm on vacation. So um, yeah. Top this, this is my this is my favorite thing ever, by the way. This is better than just um, booking time on your calendar, Joel, without ever talking to you or meeting you, whatever. This is the new move is just to put you on the website as a speaker right. without telling you. And then you're just like, you have no choice, right? You have to go. Right. What are you going to do? Smart. You got to back smart. out? Yeah, somebody, somebody. So I'm literally going to their LinkedIn page and I'm saying somebody better pay me some money. So. <laughs> oh no no no! What's they'll, what they'll do is they're just going to use you to sell all the tickets, Richard, exactly. and then you'll that's complain. what I'm saying. They need to, they need to and you'll complain, this. and then they'll take your picture down, and then right. they'll replace it with me or Joel, who will right. go speak. You might even be on there. I don't know. Let's see. Well, now no, I'll, I saw I'll, I saw Daniel Disney was on there. Yeah, and he's yeah. not he's not doing it either. He just he just emailed me. It's amazing. Who these people are. This is amazing. Well, now that we've started off the Surf and Sales podcast with some things not to do. I'm sure we can get into a lot more things not to do with uh, Mr. Joel Lalji, who's uh, running his own recruiting company now, I believe. Are you not? No, I'm, I'm not. I, I was, but um, man, it's, you know, ever since I had my second kid, I was just like, I don't, I don't really want to be doing my own thing at this moment. Like it just doesn't make the most sense for me. So I'm actually working with a uh, company called Hirewell. So I don't know. Do you know James Hornick? If you see, I do. His, uh, yeah, I so do. James, yeah, yeah. James is the partner there, but um, yeah, I'm I'm basically lead recruiter for them, uh, and then I basically recruit recruiters, uh, which is just a really full circle. Like if you look at my content and like why it is the way it is, yeah, uh, I know you know people can take it or leave it with the gifs and the the memes, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, pretty sure. If you're in recruiting, you've probably seen me around, which is exactly what I want since I'm recruiting recruiters. So it's. Uh, I want to go back to something. By the way, we need to give yeah. a, a quick shout to our to our sponsors, which are uh, Scratchpad, Sendoso, and Outreach.io. Uh, please go to click.outreach.io forward slash surf, uh, so they can uh, know you came from us. Um, go click on it like a hundred times, so it looks like we did a really good job for them. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and, uh, and, you know, tell them you demand a, uh, you demand a discount for coming from the podcast. Um, anyway, I want to come back to something. So you said, you know, you, so when did you have your second kid and congratulations? Thank you. Yeah. Six months ago. So okay. he is uh, six so, months. Yeah. So I'm curious in my mind and granted, I've, I've been doing this a little bit longer and my kids were a little older, uh, I would think it'd be easier working for myself if I have two kids, unless it's a consistent income thing like that. I get like, Hey, you know what? The, the business isn't there yet. Right. Um, yeah. I'm curious, when did you make that decision? What led up to that decision? You know, maybe, yeah. maybe your wife's not going back to work too. Maybe that's part of it too. So I, I don't know. Yeah. She actually never, I mean, the whole time we've been married, she hasn't been working. So she, she looked out, she was like a daycare teacher. So I don't know how, if you know anything about daycare teachers, but they get paid very low. 
uh, which worked out well for her, obviously, because then it was a toss up between daycare or her working and daycare. And I was like, you know what? Um, you can stay at home with our kids. But uh, yeah, I think that factored into it. But then, you know, recruiting as a business is pretty lifestyle. It's like definitely can be a lifestyle business, right? Like I went from doing nonstop Zoom calls every single day uh, to now, you know, most of the work I do is over the phone. And so that just frees up everything, you know, so I'm not tied to a desk. So I think for me, like it was, you know, when I was doing my own thing, it, it was freeing in, a, in certain ways. Obviously, you could pick your schedule. But again, with recruiting, recruiting is pretty entrepreneurial. So you know, I have two meetings that I have to go to a week. And that's it. And then everything but what, else is but like, what just led you to this decision, though? Was it financial? Was it? Like, and the reason I'm asking, because it's all about the side hustle right now. Like we're hearing about it. When do you yeah. make your side hustle, the main hustle, blah, blah, blah. And we don't hear a lot of people talking about, hey, I started my business. And you know what? I do want to go back to working with somebody, you know, for somebody again. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, I think I think finances have an impact in it, but it goes deeper than that. I think, you know, psychologically, when you're having to just provide for yourself and make it happen. Mm hmm. That, that, that to me, that that's, that's a lot of work within itself. And it's something people don't think about a lot, like any type of, even with a side hustle, it's like, there's just things that you have to think about, like money, you know, business coming in. Um, so I think for me, it was finance, finances played a small part in it, but it was more just, I don't want to have to think about the pressure of like, where's the next sale going to come in or where, you know, where, where's that revenue going to going to come in so it's not even like the revenue within itself it's just the that pressure of it and um yeah so no that's cool which is actually good and i don't know what you want what we're supposed to talk about but scott i do wonder either now or another time we should talk about what are the things about a side hustle nobody talks about right we talk about all the good stuff we talk about going w2 getting off of it we talk about the freedom we talk but you know even you know i remember with you when you started it it's like there's some scary shit in the side hustle, but we, I don't know if people talk about it enough. Yeah. I think it's always, I mean, it's always scary to, <clears throat> to take the leap, I think. Um, and when you don't know where your next check is coming from, like Joel talked about, that's a lot of stress, yeah. a lot, you know, and depending on where you are in your career and your own personal finances, like that could be the difference between paying rent and not paying rent. Right. It's not necessarily the difference between somebody buying their fourth vacation house, you know, or not. <laughs> right. There's a different level of, <clears throat> of stress associated with that. And you, and you have to pick up and learn all sorts of new skills that you've maybe never had to do before, or you're not any good at example, <laughs> me trying to figure out how to do anything to do with administrative work or accounting or all this kind of, I don't know how to do all that shit. It's an absolute nightmare. It's taken my accountant two and a half years to get me to any semblance of organization, right? So that, that stuff is hard. And if you don't want to put the time and energy into learning it, which newsflash, not all of us do, yeah. it's, a bit, uh, it's a bit tricky, you know? Yeah. And that, I mean, and I that, definitely fell under that guise though of just like, <laughs> you know, I think you posted about it the other day. You, I mean, maybe this is a little different direction, but I think you posted like about people like, almost like creating content, but not actually being like an SME and what they're talking about. And like, almost like just building an image or brand online, but it's not actually real. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's hundred percent 
what I did because that would completely um, just make me look like an idiot. But there was part of that. And I think I bought into um, this idea of like a side hustle and like being a solopreneur. Like I bought into a lot of those things, like the glamorous side of it. But when I got into the situation, like if I look at the business that I built, like it was essentially copywriting for recruitment agency owners, specifically like individual, you know, individuals that have their own recruiting business. Like how can I just do the marketing engine for them, the LinkedIn content, that type of stuff. Um, but I did it and it's like, but then I was, I was like bringing in sales. The sales weren't even the issue. It was like the execution of what I'm promising people. The fulfillment, I, yeah. The fulfillment. And I didn't really understand where the pricing was. So I just went with what I knew, which was just like an hourly rate. I'd never done any marketing before that. Like I'm not a marketer. I'm a recruiter that just writes stuff on LinkedIn essentially. But- That's all we all that, are. <laughs> yeah. And which, which like, I think, but I also like, if I look at it, like what, what I would have done differently, it's like, number one, I would have just gone on to fiverr.com or one of these websites and got some cheap copywriters to handle the bulk of like the actual copywriting. And then I would have just from a higher level view come through and just like edited out things and made it, made it look better as, as part of the delivery. But I was trying to do everything myself. Yeah. And then on top of that, the admin and all that type of stuff I'm terrible with. Um, and so when it, when it got to the point of going, okay, well, I've got a new baby on the way. I do just need something, you know, even from insurance purposes, like I just need a little bit more stability. Um, that's where the choice came in. Now, am I, am I destined to work at Hirewell forever as a lead recruiter? Like probably not. And they, I'm sure they know that. Um, but I think, you know, that's, that's a big thing right now. It's like, there's a lot of glamorization around side hustles and like just, kind of doing things, but doing it. But I think even if you start up like a, you know, a side hustle, like you have to have more, it has to be something more than just, I like the idea of being like a solopreneur. Like I think if that's what you yeah. want, then you're in for a rude awakening because it's just not what people. Yeah. Believe. I mean, I don't think that you just magically cross this line of, you know, X number of followers and that equates to, Y amount of revenue every single month coming your way just because. Exactly. Right? <clears throat> I mean, not even close. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I think, I think some people get, I drew this is Joel's words, but it's like glamorized. Some people get caught up in that. It's like, oh, I have, you know, a hundred thousand followers now. I should just go start my own thing. It's like, well, what is that thing? Exactly. You mean, you mean it's not glamorous that some companies trying to promote me? to be at their event that I'm not going to. I mean, I'm so like, I mean, I mean, that's what I did all this for, right? Like is for people to just take pure advantage of me. Right? Like, so. Well, if you're not careful, right. so you can get taken advantage. You can get taken advantage of. Yeah. And I, I agree with you a thousand percent, Joel. Like it, it's, I, I hope everybody goes and tries to create a side hustle for the sake of being able to say, you know what? It's great for me. Or, hey, at least I tried and I realized that's not for me, right? Yeah. Like they, they get, because so often I think people, and it's not even about a side hustle. So often in life, we're afraid to try. We're nervous about it. We have the imposter syndrome and, you know, we hear it all the time around, well, it's better to try and fail than not try at all. But I, I to me, it's underneath that of like, hey, I don't, I don't want people to have regrets. Exactly. Right? I don't want, you know, which I have plenty. I could have done so much more and I still could do so much more. 
around what I do. And, well, first and, step is you just got to go show up to that event that you're, you're on. Yeah. And right. <laughs> no, so, I, I think too, like it's, it's interesting because like for me, like I was, you know, recruiting is a very entrepreneurial world anyway, where like, if you're working on agency side of recruiting, it's the crosses thought your mind about just, you know, starting your own recruitment agency. So that's the world that I'm in. And most agency recruiters do end up actually starting their own recruitment companies. But for me, I had that itch for so long. And it was like to the point where like, I was almost like unmanageable and I wasn't even able to be part of a team because I was like, so hell bent on like, I've got to do my own thing. Gee, who do does that sound thing. like Richard? What's that? I know a guy that that sounds like Richard. Yeah, I know. I know. So yeah. You know, I, I continue, love Joel. Continue, Joel. This is about Joel. Yeah, yeah, it's about me. Okay, no more. No, I'm just. But I, I, I think that like get even just getting that itch and just scratching it, and then like now coming back into a nine to five, like my own choice. Again, our company is like fully remote. We're like all about like you can work from anywhere. You know, you don't have to get your work done by five p.m. Like it's whenever you can, whenever you want to work. So pretty entrepreneurial environment anyway, but now I'm not like just sitting around like wondering or thinking to myself, like, Oh, I just need to start my own thing. It's like, okay, I've done that. And I know what it's like. And I do have a desire to do that again. It's just timing matters as well. And I think like a big wake up call for me was like being able to write posts on LinkedIn, probably not like the best foundation for like a business but it could be as well so i don't want to different kind uh, of different kind of business yeah it's a different different Although kind I of know, business. we know a lot of recruiters who do this right yeah or some yeah. somewhere else stuff so um i think it's one of the, what you're doing you know so. one of the things that's great about joel's content on linkedin and on twitter if you don't follow him you you should um is that is all talking about the pain of recruiting, which I love. And, and it, it talks about the pain and how brutal it is and frustrating it is, but also in a humorous kind of way. And, you know, there's three types of content, right? There's the educational, the inspirational, and the entertainment. And yeah. Joel's content to me falls under entertainment slash education. And, it, and the education piece is just shining a light on like the underbelly, if you will, of how hard recruiting is. So what is going on right now that is making recruiting harder than it ever has been? Ah, man, it's a, I, I feel like there's, there's cultural things at play. There's obviously um, pandemic and those types of things that played a massive impact. But I, I think right now when I'm looking at it is there's just a shortage. There's a shortage of just good recruiters. So there's a, there's a scarcity of recruiters that can actually recruit. Um, and then there's also just a massive demand. Like, I, I think it was, was it last year? That was like record amount of funding for startups. So yeah. obviously as a startup, you know, you found your startup and you go, okay, we want to do hiring. You've got two options. Like you can either do it in-house or you can farm it out to an agency. And if you do the simple math, if you're looking to hire 10 engineers and you're looking to outsource that, um, you know, could be quarter million of dollars. So you're going to, you're going to pay. So obviously then you just do the math and go, well, I could hire a recruiter for, you know, 90 and to a hundred. got to realize like, Hey, they're saving me so much time that I'm going to go make millions of dollars. In well, exactly. Places, which right? isn't what they, which isn't where their mind goes as well. And it, right. Oh, we lost team. 
Oh, you still, am I still here? You're here. Yeah. If you build an internal recruiting team, then you got to think about the technology, which is probably pretty similar to what a sales team technology would be nowadays. Everything's outbound. Like you can't, we've crossed the threshold now where like it's enough to just post a job and you know, people aren't going to apply to it unless you're Amazon or you're Facebook or meta or whatever, you're, you're not attracting people. So that's a big shift with itself. So like recruiting to me is, is almost turned into what sales is because it's the same process. You have to cold reach out to people. You've got to know how to nurture. You've got to know how to pipeline. Um, and so you've got that shift. And then I think with everything being remote, again, it's just opened it up to where, um, you know, in theory, you can hire people from any state and anywhere, which just, it just, it rises the competition. But then when you bring them in-house, you know, we're, we're seeing like retention is, is a huge issue because you bring someone on and within six months, they're looking for something new uh, and people will pay more and more money. So I think what's happening just, is like, I just posted this. I literally just posted something about this today that, you know, shame on companies for looking to recruit in middle mm-hmm. America, but you know, not pay them the same salary, you know, that you, the founder make living in San Francisco or New York city. Right. It's like, like exactly. that's ridiculous. Like, so do you agree uh, with that, Joel, do you agree with Richard's position? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm in that situation right now. I've got, I've gotten uh, you know, a potential offer that's going out and it's for somebody that specializes in a, in a discipline and people who are specialized in that discipline that live in the Bay area are making 250 K a year. And because this person is, you know, in rural America, um, you know, they're, they're putting together an offer that's a hundred K less than what they would. Yeah. And, you know, I, do I agree with it or do I disagree with it? I'm like, they can, you know, they're going to do what they do at the end of the day to me. So what's going like, to happen, Joel? What's going to happen in six months? He's going to get, well, exactly. He's going to, somebody is going to reach out and they're going to go, wow, you're at this startup. Now you've got, you know, the experience that we're looking for. Yep. We'll pay you 180, 190, 200. Yeah. Um, that is going to happen. And, you know, but it's like, it's like sales. It's just like, it's always a short-term thinking. Like, how do I make the numbers this quarter? How do I, no one's thinking like, what about no, 10 years from now? That. So here's my thought is Joel, and I just got super passionate about this one today. Oh, I love it. It's, it's, it's actually greed. Yeah. The found, look, every founder is trying to become a millionaire and billionaire. And if they aren't, then they're lying. Right. Like, you know, that's just the way it works. Yeah. And that's okay. But don't fuck with the people who are trying to get you there too. Right. Show them the love. And by the way, don't, don't even get us talking about options because that'll be a whole other. (laughs) I want to, I want to go back to what, what Joel said. He said, there's a shortage of good recruiters. Yeah. So what, what is, what is, how do I phrase this? What are the skill sets that are lacking in so many recruiters that's preventing them right now from being good? Yeah, it's a great, great question. I think it's the consulting piece and it's, it's truly being like a recruiter that understands the business that they're working with and then can also have intelligent conversations with the people that they're serving. So they're hi- the hiring managers. So for a great example would be your technical recruiter, um, you know, what, are you able to influence your CTO that you're working with? Are you able to influence, you know, the VP of sales that you're helping? Like the ability to influence in recruiting is how you get positions filled. Because if you're just simply going off a match of a job description, 
you're never going to find a hundred percent match. So you have to be able to articulate why this person can do the job and why they're going to be great at it. If they're not a hundred percent match. And if you can't, if you can't have that conversation and speak about the markets and bring, you know, provide data, obviously to back what you're saying. And if you can't consult, it's extremely tough to fill the role. And that comes from, there's just a general lack of respect with the recruiting function. So like hiring managers, they don't respect recruiting enough. They literally think it's just posting a job and people are applying and you're sifting through. That may have been true 10 years ago. It's just not true now. So the ability, it's the ability to consult and influence. That's what's missing. And that's what turns like a good recruiter that can just find good talent to like that great recruiter that's strategically talking about like, okay, here's where, here's where our plan is. And I think that's, that's the piece that is the biggest challenge for, for most recruiters. Like most recruiters, they, they don't want to like stand up to a hiring manager and say, look, you're just off here. And this is why, and I'm going to back it up with the 15 conversations I've had this week. We need to change something. And again, that's what t- turns a great, rec- a good recruiter into a great recruiter. Um, but that skill set isn't necessarily even trained in recruiting. The, what the skill sets that are trained are typically like cold calling and, you know, any other kind of boiler room stuff that they teach. Yeah. So why, why aren't those skill sets trained? I mean, it sounds like you're saying there's a general lack of training and coaching and development in the recruiting function. If it was a salesperson who was weak at their demo, we would train them on the demo. Yeah. When you get into sales leadership, there's a lack of sales leadership training for sales managers and things like that. So it breaks down. So I'm hearing you say there's possibly a lack of training in the recruiting function, teaching people how to be a better recruiter, how to be a great recruiter. Sorry, yep. not a good one. Why, why, why do you think that is? I think it comes down probably a similar reason that there's not good sales leadership. It's, it's you know, or training. It's the... the the cost and the ROI. Well, I, I think it's just like companies. And it's, again, it's that greed thing. It's like companies are just so slow to just invest in things like training because the ROI isn't easy to point out, you know, like, well, what's the ROI going to be if you ever train a recruiter, obviously, well, they're going to be able to recruit more people, but it, it's not enough to where I think. Scott, he's picking on all the words that I love to pick on today. Like he's firing me up, man. Like, <laughs> what know. word did he use this time we use the word roi you know how much i hate that word right well i hate i hate it too but that's you know it's like when but i was trying to sell it. like a branding program that was the so, first thing so what's Joel, the roi change change the conversation right so nobody believes the r they only see the i yeah right so when you you know look and you, i would bring this up with any of your clients hey look i already know you're gonna ask me about roi so let's not talk about that let's talk about the economic impact right yeah right? Hey, you need to hire these crew. There's $250,000. You got to hire 10 engineers. By the way, what are you going to get do, do with your business to grow revenue? Because you're not spending this many hours interviewing that. If you got to hire 10 people, how many, how many hours does it take to recruit an engineer? How many hours of finding them, reaching out to them consistently, getting them on a call? And then how many conversations does that take you know, if I'm trying to recruit my own engineer, is that 20 hours of my time? 10 hours? Yeah. I mean, I, so now, now, so now I got to do it by 10. All right. There's a hundred hours. I just lost not building my business. Yeah. I could have had those 
I could have eight of those hours back. So I still got to do some stuff, right? So I now have all those hours back. And what can I do to grow my business that's going to cost, that's going to make way more than the 250 grand that I'm thinking about? Like to me, that's how you break this down and sell it. So, um, but you got me all fired up. It's about economic impact, not ROI. Scott's tired of hearing this story. No, and I think like, I mean, that's definitely like the agency pitch, right? For recruiting, like that is how we would, you know, have those conversations. I think that makes sense. I think it's just more from this conversation of like training is, is what I mean. Like, you know, if you're going to invest the time in training your team, I just don't think, I don't think that people value, I just don't think companies value like the long-term I don't benefit think it's of been it. offered. Is there anybody out there? And Joel, this is your new side hustle. <laughs> yeah, right? it is. Yeah. I, is there anybody out there that teaches recruiters how to recruit? No, and I, I mean, there's a couple of programs out there. I shouldn't say there's none. Um, yeah, but I just heard you say there's a couple of programs. There's nothing, there are a couple. Uh-oh, we just lost Scott, but hopefully he'll be back. Um, so there, There's a couple of programs. I know um, that's something that we're looking at. So I, I look at, um, what's that other, there's a company, Aspireship, is it, that like trains uh, people in like, you know, tech sales. I'd love to see something like that in recruiting. Um, you know, so I, I, there's definitely an opportunity for that, uh, for sure. Um, so yeah, and it could be something that, you know, I, I, that's cool. I like it. Down the line. Yeah. So, Joel, all these people who are coming in to interview, you're talking about people who are like at a place for six months and then they're looking to bounce and level up. Yeah some of the salaries and salary demands are a bit out of control, let's say. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. What are you supposed to do if you're an employer and, and you've got people coming in who just have these like outrageous demands, frankly, and, you know, it doesn't make sense for you to pay with the economics of your business, you know, to match what everybody else is, is doing. How, how are you supposed to, compete in the talent war or can you i definitely think you can always compete i think it's i mean the reality is is, is you got to look at like where that this is coming from and i think it's you know big tech to me is the obvious answer with that that they're the ones that are driving up the salaries and the pay um I mean, I would, I would advise small businesses and you know obviously if it's not if you can't pay a certain amount or let, let's say like you know, you're not going to bring somebody on where, where like the manager is getting paid less than the person. Uh, so I, I think it's like, it's getting creative with what you're looking for. I think you have to think outside the box. Like if you're looking at people who have certain skills, like you've got to think what are other skills that could line up? What are other industries that could line up? So I would say stick to your guns with like what you're looking to pay if that's where you're at. And I mean, you can't just, you can't just keep raising salaries, but I also think then you have to just brace yourself for a long search. It's going to be hard and yeah. you, and you've got to get creative with like where you're looking for people. So, and I think within recruiting, I mean, that's how I've always been successful is I never look at, I look at, that's the goal is to find someone they're looking for, but it's also like looking at what other industries make sense. What other skill sets make sense? What are the size of companies make sense? And it's really getting creative with the finding the type of people that you're looking for. Um, and then also maybe looking at industries that don't pay as well, 
that you know that there's enough of a foundation of what you need skill set wise. Yeah. I mean, I think companies need to get away from this idea of hiring like the perfect product every time and understand that like, you know, first of all, you, you have to invest in people. So it goes back to training, but I think companies, they don't want to take that risk. And they've over time, HR teams and recruiting teams have become very adverse to any type of risk when it comes to bringing in yeah. people. Don't you, don't you feel like people over-optimize for industry experience? Oh, a hundred percent. Oh my God. I, I sat down, one of my first clients that I ever had was a construction company and they told me they're a big, big general contractor. And they told me, um, that they needed somebody else that came from a general contractor. So they had to come from a general contractor. And I'd been on this search for, I think, three or four months trying to find them somebody. And uh, eventually I got to the point, I said, you know what, you need to, let's just think about like other comp- types of companies that could work because we're just not getting anywhere. And they were like, there's no way we could find somebody from, you know, a subcontractor, for example, that could be a fit. And within two weeks of just changing that parameter, we found, you know, three or four people that were super interested, wanted to make the switch from being a subcontractor to working for a general contractor. And with those candidates, it was like, they were more excited about it even, like they saw it as a true opportunity. They saw it as a way that they could grow. And they, they made an amazing hire. And I remember sitting with the VP of construction and he's like, in my 30 years of doing this, I would have never chosen somebody from a subcontractor and it's like the guy's still working there he's happy he's been promoted so i think like you have to you have to to not put as much weight and like honestly you have to believe in your own company's ability to like actually train people as well and like develop talent and to be honest if you can't do that then why are you in business because why should people go work why should people go work with you if you're not going to invest anything in their development whatsoever exactly yeah. But it's a risk. It's a risk that you have to take. But I mean, I'm sure if you look at sales hires, I mean, I, I would hate to look at like what that, what those numbers look like, but I guess it's, you know, probably over 50% of people don't even make it within the first year. Why is that? Is it just bad candidates out there? No, it's your company. Like take a look on the inside. What are you actually doing to get, make people better? Like take on some of that risk and don't just say, you know, don't be so close-minded with that stuff. I would say. Yeah. I love this. I love this conversation. We don't, we don't have this conversation a lot. Um, if ever, Scott, I don't know. Um, and maybe it's cause Scott's usually anti-recruiter. So I'm surprised you guys are even friends. So not I'm anti-recruiter too. I'm not anti-recruiter. Let's clarify something. <laughs> I'm not anti-recruiter. If I'm building a sales organization, I don't need to hire an outside recruiting organization in the stages that I build from zero to 25 million, mostly because I built my brand for the sole purpose of making myself into a one man recruiting machine. So that's why I'm just giving you shit. You know that. So yeah, well, I'm clarifying your shit just so people don't get it twisted and, and, and can understand. And, and maybe Joel will tell me, you know what, Scott, you were wrong. And here's why, but that's what worked for me. But that will break down if you try to get to some sort of massive scale and somebody comes to you and says, go hire a hundred people tomorrow. Like I can't do that. So I understand the need for it, right? I just never really, I never had to do it. So I didn't do it. 
Well, if you've got big enough, I mean, if you've got a really strong network and obviously if you've got visibility online, I mean, for us, like at Hirewell, like, you know, because people are, again, back to your favorite term, the ROI, like that's what people always say, right? What's the ROI of, of building a brand on LinkedIn? It's like for us, like the biggest ROI has been, yes, sales. I mean, I had two sales meetings today that were just inbound because of content, because of memes, believe it or not. Uh, but it's because it's clear that like, you know, I'm talking about challenges that they were facing. Like I resonated with that meme of how hard recruiting is. Do you guys help with recruiting? Yes, we do. So yes, we get the sales business, but we get so many inbound recruiters coming to us that want to work with the agency from the, from LinkedIn content. So yeah, I think if you've got a strong LinkedIn presence or strong brand, that helps so much. And I'm like, I'm baffled. Like I'm baffled why people don't take advantage of it more because it's just free. And I'm like, when we're talking about like people who want, you know, good ROI on things, there's no better ROI than not having to pay for anything and posting and getting results out of it. And I think, you know, if you've, if you've done a good job building a strong employer brand, which some companies have and have taken advantage of, that is massive in terms of trying to attract top people. Um, and I, I don't, again, that's where recruiting has changed over the last even five years from when I, you know, when I was early on in my recruiting days, marketing and branding were just not even associated. And now more companies than ever are talking about our employer brand. The problem is they don't know what they're doing and they don't know, understand like what people actually care about, which isn't like super polished videos. It's just your employees posting about stuff that they enjoy and they like, and, and, and you know, having a voice that's massive nowadays. Um, and people want to work for companies like that. So I think like, you know, to me, like, if you, if you wanted to just increase your pipeline of, of great candidates, start posting about your company and why people should work there in a non-salesy way. It's huge, but people don't do that. And I can talk about it all day. And I know that yeah. most, most people- <laughs> Should they should they be they posting about their company or should they be t- posting about sort of thought belief systems, right? Like, you know, kind of like what the three of us do is we talk a lot about on LinkedIn about beliefs and then yeah. people gravitate to us because they like our content, which then- to Scott's point, you know, it's like, oh, I want to go work for a guy like Scott. He says he's got a position, you know, like they, they get to know us. So, you know, is it, is it better to do, you know, if you're, if your intent is to recruit, is it better to do it to talk about your company or is it better to do it talking about thought leadership? Cause that's who you're, that's who they're working for or is yeah, it both yeah. in your mind? I, th- I think it depends on who you are. Like, I think the content that CEL puts out is going to be different to, you know, what maybe like an entry-level salespeople would, would post. But I think everybody has something relevant to say. And I think, you know, I think this pressure of thought leadership, if you're not a thought leader, don't try and be a thought leader. You know, there's a reason I'm, I kind of default to humor uh, because, you know, I'm not going to go head to head with someone that's been in recruiting for 30 years. Like, it's just, it'd be stupid of me to do that. So like, whereas like my CEO who built the company, he's got thought leadership. He's got things that he knows that obviously I don't know, but I think like what we found is like just encourage people to talk about the things that they care about or, you know, and obviously you want it somewhat business focused because it's LinkedIn, but even that has just changed radically. So I think it's just really focusing on like, talk about the things that you're comfortable talking about. Um, and then as you get more comfortable with that, it can turn into thought leadership. It can turn into all of these things. But um, I think companies that just like kind of let their people post about the things that they are passionate about works out just as well. Um, 
you know, I think what, where it goes wrong is when people go, Oh, well now we got to do like set up like an employer ambassadorship. And now they all have to post like the same sort of stuff. Like that's just, that's not going to work. I, I don't think, um, you know, and I think what I'm seeing now with like content is like people love hearing about like work-life balance and like the flexibility, like flexibility and work-life balance are the, are the two biggest things that people talk about now. And I think obviously money, we lost I'm you. Never, nope. We we heard you say we heard you say flexibility and work life balance, and then we lost you. Is it is it back now? Yeah. yeah. I think work life balance and is it off again? You're going to cut out at the same time. He said <laughs> work life balance and flexibility are what people want. I need That's I need to get said. a new I need to get a new mic. Yeah, work life balance and flexibility are the two biggest things that people ask about. Compensation is still you know, secretly number one for everybody, but I've seen deals fall through recently because of remote work policy or hybrid policy. And those are the things yeah. that people care about. So I would say like, if you've got a small team, like just have them talk about the things that they enjoy doing, their passions, their hobbies. And I think for leadership that they're the ones that probably need to focus more on like the thought leadership and, and like strategic branding and those things. So uh, does that make sense? Maybe not. I think it. I think it makes sense. I, I. I think that sometimes, in the absence of a powerful brand, the people inside the company become the brand, and that kind of flywheels back and suddenly helps the brand, right? If, if that makes if that makes sense, like I can think of yeah. multiple examples where. I know individuals at a particular organization and I would not know that organization without that individual. And they have become so strong at what they do. Everybody's fucking cutting out. What's wrong with you people? Of the individual, the brand of the company become one. Um, and I think people overlook that, you know? You got to say that all again, Scott, because you cut out in the middle of it. Well, you know, Joel's cutting out. I'm cutting out. We're having all sorts of technical difficulties around here today. Yeah. Why don't you go learn how to fix that, Scott? That's your. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna just unplug my headphones and just plug right into my computer real quick, so I don't run so, out of that. Just give me so one second, Joel. We gotta. You know, uh, I want you to think about this for a second, which is, you know, what question would you like to ask us? But before you do that, um, want to give a shout out to Outreach.io. Uh, click.outreach.io forward slash surf, click.outreach.io forward slash surf uh, to Sendoso and to Scratchpad for sponsoring uh, Surf and Sales, the podcast, the event, uh, our live bonfire sessions. Our next one actually is April 11th with Max Altshuler. Um, so we're excited to have that one. But uh, what questions you got for us, Joel? Yeah, lots of, lots of questions here. I guess in terms of... Um you know, in terms of what you guys are seeing too, because obviously I just focus purely on recruiting re recruiters. I mean, are you guys seeing the exact same thing then within the sales space as well? And I guess, how are you working with clients, you know, that maybe don't have the funds as well, like we discussed, like how, how would you consult them on how to bring and attract people if you just don't have the money to be able to pay out like other companies do? Yeah. Like how, how would you consult people on that? First of all, yes, I'm seeing the exact same thing. Although I would not have had the insight to say there's a lack of great recruiters out there. So if we extract that part, 
which you articulated, I would say, yeah, I've seen the same thing. People care about flexibility, work-life balance, compensation. People are job hopping and almost looking at like the way for me to get raises is to move from one place to the next rather than stick it out in this one spot. All of that stuff, you know, is the same. I, I think it's also taking longer than normal to fill certain positions. Um, not so much like AE roles or even head of sales roles, but roles like sales ops or head of revenue operations. Some of these roles is becoming hard to find good people. And so the search is taking longer and longer. So part of the advice that I'm giving people is to start the hiring process well in advance of when you actually want people to begin, right? Because what often happens in startups is it's like, you know, March 30th and we're like, okay, we want people to start in April. Like, well, fuck, good luck with that, right? We should have started this search in January, right? So some of the advice is let's start way earlier. If we run into somebody quicker, that'll be a good problem to have. And we can talk about a, you know, accelerated start date, or we could talk about trying to keep them warm and keeping our start date, but let's just start earlier. The, the part that is tricky is the advice for people who don't have the budget or can't make the economics work. I mean, some of my advice is keep on looking, just let those people go. Um, I don't think it's ever a good idea to have a deep, heavy comp negotiation with somebody because even if you win, that person is going to be, you know, a little bitter or yeah. not feeling super awesome. I'd rather have somebody in the role getting paid an amount that they're like, holy shit, this is amazing. This is the most I've ever made. Not somebody who's like, oh, fine. Joel twisted my arm and, you know, I took this thing, whatever. Um, so I, I, I would tell people to keep on looking. And I would tell people to get a little bit more creative with some of the flexibility stuff and advantages that you might be able to provide that other companies might not. Um, Certainly on the equity side, I would love to see people get a little looser with giving away equity. I'm talking to founders all the time who want to pay a quarter percent to a half percent to the VP of sales. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, you like, what are we doing here? You know, why are we being so stingy with that? So, you know, trying to get people to understand that there's, that they have the flexibility and power to make it work. They're just not utilizing everything available to them. That's part of the, the advice. And the last part of the advice is take a chance on some people. Let's stop trying to hire everybody who has done this before. And let's start hiring some people who can do it. They just need a shot. Somebody gave Joel the first shot at being a recruiter. Somebody gave Richard the first shot at being a sales manager. Somebody gave Scott the first shot at being a VP of sales. Like, give some people a shot, especially people who are underrepresented in the uh, in the market. So th- that's what I would tell people. Uh, now you're just picking on me. Somebody also gave me a shot to be a VP of sales. Now everybody thinks I'm just a <laughs> fucking manager. Well, you know, I was trying to do a progression <laughs> here. Right? Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, but I, you know, and I, I love what Joel said earlier, because I wrote it down, which is stop trying to hire the perfect product when you hire people, which is what you were just saying, Scott, which I, I just love the, how you described that line, Joel. It's really, really good. I think, every, you know, the only things I could add to Scott's point are, um, 
understanding the mindset of shifting from founder-led sales to actual sales. Like mm. the founder has to make a mind shift, particularly from a, a technical standpoint. Um, and they've all been fed by the machine that this is what you get in a VP of sales. Here's how much equity you get. Here's what you should expect. When in fact, they've never really done it. And so for me, I think that's a, a big piece that's that's overlooked is the making that mental shift. And what does that mental shift mean for the founder? And again, I don't think people talk about it. So I think that's a that's a big piece that, that needs to be added. Um, but I, I don't, I, I'm not going to add anything else to it because I think everything the two of you have said is, has been great. So, um, you know, with that, we want to you know, quickly thank our sponsors of Outreach.io. We want to thank um, Sendoso and Scratchpad for supporting us. And Joel, if people want to follow you, how do they find you on LinkedIn? By the way, his content's brilliant, people. Even if you're not in the recruiting space, it's still great content. So um, well, thank you. Yeah. Where do you want them to find you? Yeah, I would say, I mean, LinkedIn uh, is the go-to, but Twitter as well. Like, I mean, Twitter is kind of nice because um, I don't have as much like traffic through the inbox. So it's probably an easier way to reach me. Um, and you What's your Twitter? Joel uh, it's human headhunter. Human headhunter. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Really I, good. I wanted to bring like the a human side to recruiting um, a while <laughs> yeah. ago, but then I was like, so my, it just kind of sounds cannibalistic. So I'm it like, does, right, yeah. I'll keep it. I'll keep it. <laughs> which I, I, which I like, cause I have a sick sense of humor. So that's yes, yeah, exactly. That's perfect. Yeah. Right. I want to, I want to always comment that, but, um, but yeah, too, I think, um, you know, like I said, with the, with the LinkedIn, it's, it's usually pretty hard. It, I basically have just now, because I don't know why they have that connection limit, although I do know because they- Oh, don't get me started emails. on that. Yeah. Well, There's it's like, I just wish they would just admit, like, we're cutting down connections because we want to increase more in-mails. We're cutting down the amount of people you connected to because we want people to pay for in-mails. And I genuinely feel bad for people that in-mail me because I get, you know, 20 to 30 a day of like, can you help me get into recruiting? And I'm like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm really against like online courses and stuff, but I'm, I'm- so like tempted to just start like a 10 giveaway, like a $10. This is the recruiting basics and how you can get into it. Just so I don't have to, I feel bad for not giving an answer to people. You should but, do uh, it. You should charge $50. Yeah, there you go. It's Passive my side income. hustle. Passive <laughs> income. It so, is. It is. Well, thanks right. so much for uh, spending some time with us, Joel. We appreciate it, man. Good luck yeah, with man. everything. Thanks. Scott. Great touch. Appreciate it. Yeah. It you too, pleasure, man. Nice. Nice to meet you, Joel. Nice to meet you guys. Well, get meet face to face at least and, and have this. So I uh, appreciate you guys. And uh, sorry about the technical difficulties. That's all right. No worries. So we can meet you face to face if you come to Surf and Sales in May because we still have spots open. Surf I know. Where, where, where are you guys having that at? Costa Rica. That be? Oh, man. Come on. Your it's baby's tempting. six months old. You can make it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tell my wife that. She would be, I, I went away for one night last week and she was like, don't ever do that to me again. Cause the kids are just, too my soon. daughter's three. So she's like, too soon, too soon. It is um, too someday. Soon. someday. All right. We need to go to a Liverpool game is where we need to go. Now we're there talking. Yeah. Cause that'll be easier to get away to. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. All, right, All guys. right, guys. Joel, thanks appreciate so much, you. man. Yep. Appreciate you guys. Take care.